This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Without a healthy mind, being happy is hard. Visit betterhelp.com super and see if online therapy is for you. Hey, brother! Ben, the magic system in Harry Potter allows our characters to do basically anything. You can shoot magic out of the end of your wand. You can bottle it up in a potion. You can transform your physical body. You can even hide a piece of your soul inside of another object to prevent you from dying, although I would really not recommend that last one. And not only are there lots of ways for the magic to be used, but there's almost an endless number of uses for the magic. Like, anything you need to do, there's a spell for that. The obvious catch being you need to know what the spell is, how to do it, practice it, and then also have the pure magical fortitude and instinct to pull that spell off when you need to. Will you have what it takes to unlock your front door when you get home? Probably. Not everything's life or death, people, okay? Some things are just run-of-the-mill spells. In fact, outside of the Harry Potter story, I dare say most things are just run-of-the-mill spells. They probably don't need to know how to cast Patronuses in everyday life. But that said, not all the spells are run-of-the-mill spells. Some of them in Harry Potter seem to require a little bit more um, power, practice, oomph, intuition, mana? Somehow all of those and none of those seem right. The amount of energy required to do any spell is never really dived into into the books, and yet certain spells definitely seem harder. At the very least, they require a little extra, but the ambiguity has left a lot of people wondering, like, could a witch or wizard ever just run out of magic or at least need time to recharge their magic. Like, could casting several really big spells drain you of your power for a while? Well, today, we find out. Hey, brother! Guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, MeUndies. Do you like the lights? Are you afraid of glow in the dark? Well, then shield your eyes because the latest MeUndies Halloween just dropped. Dead. Oh, it's gonna be one of those kind of ad reads, all right. But for real, guys, MeUndies makes underbritches that are so comfortable, it's scary. Can you tell they asked us to put a lot of puns in this one? But if you're unhappy with your underbritches, or tech, even if you are happy with them, you should definitely trick or treat yourself to a MeUndies subscription. Throw on a pair today and you will look fabulous. Ah, you'll swear you never looked so Gourd? Ah, like a pumpkin? I had a vampire pun in there as well, but I won't subject you to it because, well, it sucked. But whether you're out running a killer or being abducted by aliens this Halloween, be comforted by the fact that your undies are sustainable and the softest in town. MeUndies are made from natural fiber sourced from beechwood trees, making their micromodal fabric soft, breathable, and dangerously cozy. Get your spooky season up and haunting with five new prints. I See You, My Boo, Tricks and Treats, Lazy Bones, and Lazy Pumpkin. Available in undies, bralettes, socks, and loungewear in sizes extra small through 4XL. There are lots of options to consider, but make a decision quickly because there's somebody right behind you, look out! And MeUndies has a great offer for our viewers right now, giving you 15% off and free shipping. To get 15% off your first order and free shipping, plus a 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can head to MeUndies.com theories. Again, that is MeUndies.com theories for 15% off your first order and free shipping, plus a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Link is in the description down below. So, can a witch or wizard run out of magic? Well, you might be surprised to learn that the answer is yes and no. It really depends on how you want to define the parameters of that question. So first of all, let's just have a look at the kind of magic we are dealing with in Harry Potter. By instead looking at Name of the Wind. In any given fantasy world that contains magic, which is 
all of them, I think, by definition. The magic can either lean to a really like soft magic system or a really hard magic system, or really anywhere in between. It's not just two buckets. Or in some cases, both. For example, in our other favorite book series, The Name of the Wind, which you should all definitely go read, there is a very hard magic system and a very soft magic system. In Name of the Wind, our lead character, Quoth, uses a kind of magic called sympathy. And this is a very hard magic system. There are lots of rules and it can be explained in very literal ways. It's honestly kind of like physics. There's like math and percentages and conversions and slippage. And you have to like literally split your mind into several pieces to think about multiple things at the same time. The catch with sympathy though, is that the more of it you do, the more it wears on your mind and body. There is a physical cost to doing the magic. And again, that's a hard magic system. Lots of very well-defined rules. On the other hand, there's also the soft magic system called naming. This is a very soft style of magic and has very little explanation behind it. Tabulin the Great said to the wall, break, and the wall broke. You see, he knew the name of all things, so all things were his to command. Oh, okay, but like, well, how, how does that work? Exactly like that. He said, broke, it breaks. I don't want Harry Potter, on the other hand, falls somewhere right in the middle of hard and soft. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. We the readers all accept that magic can accomplish basically anything. But at the same time, we don't expect any given character to be able to solve literally any problem just because they can do magic. Instead, the obvious limit is what magic you know and how much you have trained yourself to use it. And as such, a lot of the characters in Harry Potter have specific specialties. Like say for example, there's an angry bear charging at you and you want to transfigure it into a teddy bear before it, you know, mauls you. Certainly anyone who can do magic has the potential and the capability to solve this problem in this way if they know what to do. But I bet we'd all rather just have Professor McGonagall there. But if this is the way magic works in Harry Potter, it does give you that feeling that given enough time and study and practice, any given witch or wizard could become the most powerful witch or wizard, right? And yet, this just definitely isn't true. Like certain characters definitely are just more powerful. Take Voldemort, for example. Before he's even 10, he is already starting to master non-verbal wandless magic to accomplish his goals, and he doesn't even know what magic is. Ron, on the other hand, grows up in a pure blood family of wizards and has five very accomplished older brothers and doesn't even know what a spell is supposed to sound like. Sunshine, daisies, buttermellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow. Why would you think that was a spell, Ron? As an adult, Voldemort is also the agreed upon leader of all the dark wizards, whom without the dark wizard takeover cannot even happen. Which always confused me as a kid, like just because he was gone, the whole dark movement fell. Because yes, he is very evil, but there are other characters who are very terrible and powerful and evil also. And yet they all seem to follow Voldemort specifically based on his power alone? Or I don't know, maybe they just think he can't actually be killed. He is actually pretty open about his quest for immortality with them. Dumbledore is very much the same way. He is always simply described as more powerful. Like, yes, he's also very brilliant, but it's his power that everyone talks about and which Voldemort fears. Even Harry gets this treatment and he's sitting right next to Hermione, who definitely studies more, practices more, knows way more spells and can do definitely the most number of things with magic. And yet it is Harry who always seems to have that little extra oomph. Like sure, plenty of the DA members learn to cast a Patronus, but only Harry's is the super Patronus that can take on a hundred Dementors at once. It's almost like Voldemort and Dumbledore and Harry just 
had extra stat points to allocate than everyone else, and they just get to benefit from it. And only benefit, really, because here's the thing. There is no consequence for using more powerful spells in Harry Potter, at least not for the user. It's not like, oh sure, Harry can cast really strong spells, but it also wears him out. No, there is simply no indication anywhere in any book that suggests a witch or wizard can be drained of their power by using their power. They might mentally wear out the same way you might mentally wear out after like a really long game of chess. They may even physically wear out from actually running around and casting all the spells, but the magic supply itself is infinite. Like it's not like in Diablo 2 where after every 10 ice blasts you have to sit there and wait for your sword to recharge before you can cast another spell. Anyone else getting tired of mana potions? I swear I spent half that game just going back to town to buy more. In fact, it would seem there's not even a way for like the power level of a witch or wizard to be dampened by other kinds of magic. Like Voldemort rips his soul into eight pieces and is still the most powerful dark wizard. Dumbledore drinks an entire basin full of the drink of despair and still gets up and summons a raging inferno. Yeah, his mind and body are frail, but his magic, unaffected. Now that said, there are extra efforts required to cast certain spells. Like Bellatrix says, you have to really mean it to make the Cruciatus curse work. Or Harry has to focus on truly powerful, positive memories to cast his Patronus. But even in those situations, these are merely requirements, not costs. So no, you cannot run out of magic by using too much magic but there are other ways in which a magic user might lose their magic. Tonks is actually a really great example of this exact thing happening in Half-Blood Prince. When we first meet her, she has bright pink hair, she can morph her features around and is one of the Ministry's elite aurors. Fast forward to the next book though, after Remus has spurned her advances and she has fallen into a deep state of depression. Her hair is mousy brown and she has just physically become like more gaunt. Hermione even says she can't change her appearance like she used to. I think her powers must have been affected by shock or something. I know that could happen, said Harry, nor did I, but I suppose if you're really depressed. Now granted, eventually she does overcome this, and by Deathly Hallows she is totally back to full strength before she, uh, you know, uh, dies. But, but, the point is, for a while, she did lose some of her abilities. A similar thing happens with Merope Gaunt, Voldemort's mother. For most of her life, she is looked down upon by her father and brother and leads a pretty abusive existence to the point where she can't even use her magic to repair a pot. According to Dumbledore, I do not believe that her magical powers appeared to their best advantage when she was being terrorized by her father. Once Marvolo and Morphin were safely in Azkaban, once she was alone and free for the first first time in her life, then I am sure she was able to give full rein to her abilities and to plot her escape from the desperate life she had led for 18 years. Almost certainly this is another case of depression affecting someone's powers. But it is also a little different from Tonks in that other people are actively contributing to her terrible existence. Not that it's actually their goal to make her lose her powers, but it is the end result. And of course, ironically, one of the things they continuously get mad at her for is her inability to do basic spells. But given the proper motivation and freedom from her abusers, Marope is able to make a full magical recovery and then uh, abuse the muggle Tom Riddle into having little Lord Baby Voldemort with her. Gross. But I guess the point is, uh, once again, even though someone's magical powers were dampened by depression and abuse, 
she didn't recover. Then on the somehow even worse side of things, there actually are characters who are actively trying to get other characters to repress their magical abilities and the consequences are much worse. Our big example of this happens in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, where Mary Lou Barebone is forcing Credence to repress all of his magical abilities and the end result is catastrophic. Namely, he turns into a giant black cloud of destruction and tears apart half of New York City. This is all the end result of Credence developing what's called an Obscurus, which is kind of a magical tumor that in every other case that isn't Credence, kills its host. Credence is pretty unique though in that he is not killed by it and is actually able to get a semblance of control over the Obscurus. And once again, like with Tonks and Marope, once he's able to find some inner peace and find some support in his life, he's able to really get it under control. And after he's given a wand, he can do magic, like really powerful magic. Overall, we see again and again that witches and wizards can have their powers weakened or dampened by physical and or emotional trauma. But if they're able to escape their abusers or overcome their trauma or at least come to terms with it, then their magic is still there waiting for them. Now, I will say there are a few other niche caveats here. Like it does seem like there's a difference between someone forcing you to repress your magic and you simply choosing not to do magic. For example, going back to Marope, after she finally releases Tom Riddle Sr. from whatever enchantment was drawing him to her, thinking that he'll stick around because of the baby, he immediately abandons her and she just vows to never do magic again. McGonagall's mother is another example of this, where after she marries the Presbyterian minister, Robert McGonagall, she also chooses to give up on magic. She very much misses it and is envious of her children who can practice magic freely in the wizarding world, but she also loves her husband and understands that it may risk his position in the community and his job if she uses magic. So can a wizard run out of magic? No. Can they be forced into a state where it is weakened or dampened? Yes. But even then, the magic is still inside them and very capable of returning to full strength. Anyway, in conclusion, uh, therapy is a really great thing and we should really focus on destigmatizing mental health. And if uh, you want to try out therapy, even if everything is going great in your life, you totally should because there's nothing wrong with that. And it's probably healthy almost no matter what situation you're in. This whole video was a metaphor. The magic is in you. Celebrate yourself. And read Name of the Wind. Guys, thanks so much for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. We mentioned in today's video how Credence is really Really powerful. If you want to see how he might actually be an heir of Slytherin, you can check out this video right here. But otherwise, Ben, until next time, I will see you in another life.